mother, if she was here, she would ask us to sing this song, Days Dying in the West. <laughs> Day is dying in the West. Are the day thou givest, Lord, is ended. Do you know that song? The day thou givest, the Lord is in. You know, day is dying west. You don't know the days, no? <laughs> We're going to teach you that next Sabbath. All right. All right. Day is dying this. Let's sing that song. My mic is on, but I don't want to sing anyway. Okay. All right. Days dying in the west, heaven is dark. thank you Lord for your blessings we thank you for your grace and your mercy Lord as we stand here Lord we do not know exactly what this new week holds but we know who holds the future and it is you Jesus the one who has brought us out of nothing into something it is to you we pray, Father, the God of heaven and earth, the God who sees way into the distant future. And Lord, we lay our hands in yours even now. We ask, Lord, that you will touch down in this church. We pray, Father, that you will help us to know that you want us to be one, as you and your disciples were one, and you and your Father were one. We pray, Father, that you will please just walk around this circle, that you will touch each and every person, young and old, sick or not, whatever condition we may find ourselves in. Lord, help us to know that you are a prayer-answering God. And Lord, we just lift high praises to you, Lord, at this time. Right across this globe, the sun is setting in different time zones, and many Christians, Lord, they are having similar services. And Lord, we just join with all the countless thousands, Lord, lifting up your name because you are worthy to be praised. 
Lord, help us not to hold back the gifts that you have given us. Help us not to hold back the praise, but that we will lift our voices on high and we will say praise the Lord for you are worthy to be praised. You are a good God. Yes, you are. You're a wonderful God. You're a majestic God. And Lord, I just thank you. We thank you so much, Lord. We ask, Lord, that you will just watch over us now as we march through this week. Help that you will be our compass. You will be our guide. You will be our comforter. Thank you, Lord, for hearing and answering our prayers. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. 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 As we come to the close of this March Madness, this very week, it is my prayer that as we surge on in this week, this is a vacation week uh, for some. Uh, spring break for the students and some parents will be going out of town uh, some will be coming in town whatever it is but we are moving on and it is my prayer that as we go through this week that you'd invite your friends you'll invite them out um, we are going to be going right through skipping Thursday getting into the weekend where we will be um, having a, a special um, I would say a good Friday, next uh, Friday night, Sabbath night, Sabbath Friday night. And then we are going to get into the um, morning service where we will be having uh, a baptism um, in the morning service. And then we want to end off next Sabbath with a great celebration. And so we're going to get all our choirs together. We're going to get all our singers together. And we want that holy cloud to descend from heaven just because we're lifting up the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so I want to uh, encourage you to stick with us. And um, we thank you so much for um, coming out these um, few weeks. Uh, has it been a wonderful experience for you? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. And this is the beginning. This is the beginning. I think God has greater things in store once we pull all our gifts and our talents together and they all marinate with the power of the Holy Spirit. Great things are in store. Amen. And so uh, at this time, I just want to remind, remind you right after the service, we're going to be having a little collection. Uh, feel free to drop a, a liberal offering to help to defray our expenses. And... Um, the, uh, as we make the transition into the next portion, um, it gives me great joy to introduce to you the um, music of meditation. It's going to be my wife and daughter that will be singing, and then afterwards uh, we will bring the word of God. Life carried me 
None at all. We can't depend on our own selves. There is nothing that we have to offer. Nothing. The only thing that we can do is to accept you as our personal Lord and Savior. And Lord, we just thank you for this option that you have given us. I pray, Father, that you bless this church. Bless these saints that came. Sodom. Sodom was a city that was in rebellion, rebellion towards God. And anything that called on or anyone that called on the name of God, Sodom represented this When we think of Sodom, God could have destroyed, chose to destroy Egypt. He could have chosen the people of the Amalekites, Perizzites, and all of these different regions. But there is something that was happening in Sodom and Gomorrah that God says that's it. It's enough. Whenever you see in scripture when God says it's enough, I have to, I have to step in. You know that it is serious. And such was the case. Sodom and Gomorrah. I want you to understand with me Abraham was a mystical figure. He was a very interesting figure because when we reflect back in the book of Genesis, God called Abraham, and many people, um, we use the term loosely, and we said that God called Abraham out of, um, where do we say, Ur of the Chaldees or the Mesopotamian Valley? It was close enough. In fact, God called um, Abraham's father out of this place. And Abraham and uh, 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 Terah and his three sons came out of Ur of the Chaldees. And you read the scripture very well. They settled in a place called Haran. And then Terah died. And then uh, Abraham responded to this call where God called him and says, I'm going to send you to a region, a land that you have never seen before. Do you trust me? And Abraham said, yes. And so Abraham took his wife and also his, his nephew, 
uh, who had, uh, his, whose father had died um, some time before, and they ventured to this land of Canaan. Now, it's a very interesting story because um, Lot would have inherited all of his father's possessions. And so he was traveling with Abraham. And as they traveled, they were traveling to the land of Canaan and to this region of Canaan. And as, as they were looking for the desired place and everything, uh, there, there was a big conflict that, that stirred up among the tribesmen, the herdsmen of Abraham and Lot. And as I was reading and reviewing this, it was interesting to find out certain facts that I want to bring to you, and hopefully we could make an immediate application to our time as we look at this story. You see, when this happened, the scripture was very intentional, where it says in Genesis chapter 13 that the, the herdsmen, they, they were they were at odds with one another. And Abraham, he said, hey, listen, I have a simple solution. Look all across this area. The Lord has given us this land. Choose where you want to live. And it's going to be all right. You, you could live there, and I'll live wherever. Right? It's the promised land anyways. And so in the book of Genesis chapter 13 we see that Lot lifted up his eyes and he looked at the, the plains towards Sodom and Gomorrah that they were beautiful. Well-watered land, good for his cattle, lots of greenery, good place to live. And so he was intrigued with this region and he says, listen, I'm going to go east. I want to go towards that region. Now, everyone knew about Sodom and Gomorrah. Everyone knew of the wickedness of this region. But Lot, he said, listen, I'm going to go towards this region. Now, in verse 12 of Genesis chapter 13, we see where it says, Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain. And he pitched his tent towards Sodom. He pitched his tent towards Sodom. Notice the scripture didn't say that he pitched his tent in Sodom. But it was towards Sodom. He knew of the wickedness of Sodom. And the next verse indicates that. I think it is verse 13 where it says, it says, but the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. And so he pitched his tent towards Sodom, but he did not move into Sodom. Now I want to talk to you about some practical things. Some of us, we see certain things that are sinful. 
we see certain practices that are sinful and uh, we know that it is wrong. We know we have grown up in the right way. Uh, we, we know all the Ten Commandments and we know the principles of the church and your family principles, godly principles, and all of these wonderful things. And, and so we see all of these things. And, and so what we try to do, we know that we do not intend to sin. We know we do not intend to move into sin. But some of us, what we find ourselves doing, we're pitching our tents towards Sodom. We don't want to get into sin, but we get close to it, towards it, with no intention of getting into it. And so what we are doing, we're saying, God, after all, you know, we're not in sin, but we get very close to it. And so this was the situation with Lot. He pitched his tent towards it. And as I was grappling with this, I'm looking at this, I'm saying, Lord, there is something in this for us to decipher. I'm hearing a little echo on my mic. The thing is, Lot was a young man, and he was an opportunist. He wanted the best. And so he claimed the best. He was thinking that, hey, listen, I have it all made. I have uh, the land. Uh, it's, it is rich. I, I am not too far from the city. And so I could benefit from the, the commercial traffic, the trade routes. When the, the men are passing through, I could get into all of this trade. And I will have the best of the best for my tribesmen, for my wife, and for all their wives and all their children and my animals. And everything will be all right. This is success. I have it made. And this was the situation and the mindset of our dear beloved Lot. Lot was a man just, just like us, just like us. We know we don't intend to. We don't want to get into anything. But, you know, the funny thing is that, you know, Lot, he, he was a very practical man, right? And so Lot was this man that, you know, he wanted to be in the world, you know, but not necessarily of the world, but this, he wanted to basically straddle the line. And so he was playing the balancing act. You know what the balancing act is, right? You know, we, we like to be in a very nice position where we could just balance between the world and the church, and we could, you know, we could glean on both worlds you know when it's time to pray we could pray when it's time to play we could play you know and and he could just go back and forth and that was lots but it comes with a cost in verse 1 of chapter 19 and I'm just, you could read the whole other chapters between and it gives you a lot of context and so forth about Abraham and uh, the angels visiting him and so forth. But I'm zooming in on chapter 19. Chapter 19 opens up in a very interesting way. And it says, and there came two angels. 
one angel was talking, if you read the whole context of the verses before, one angel remained back and was talking with Abraham. And that angel was Jesus Christ. And you could read that in um, chapter 18, 17, and so forth. And it says, there came two angels to Sodom at even. Right? To Sodom. They came to Sodom. And it says, Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. So where was Lot living now? He was in Sodom. So somehow he was towards Sodom, but somehow little by little, little by little, he moved sheep and herd and everything until he was living in it. He was living in the city. But still he had a conscience, right? Because you'll see indicated, he Lot now, he sat in the gate of Sodom. And Lot seeing them rose up to meet them and bowed himself with his face towards the ground. I don't know how or what, but somehow he figured that these men are different. He observed many visitors coming into the city, but somehow Lot was looking at these men and he said, these men are different. And he bowed himself with his face to the ground. Now, these are angels now, right? And so here we see verse 2. Verse 2. At 2. All right. And we see here, just back up one. And I'll go in my notes. In verse 2, right, we see that um, as he bowed himself to the ground and says, uh, behold now, my lords, turn in, I pray you, into my servant's, your servant's house, and tarry all night, and wash your feet, and ye shall rise up early and go your way. And this is what he was actually telling them. Listen, just tarry all night. Let's wash your feet. Um, that and ye rise up early and go your ways. And they said, Nay. <laughs> but we will abide in the streets all night. We will abide in the streets. Don't worry about it. Our business, we have some business to take care of. We will abide in the streets all night. Now, this is a very interesting um, text because it. It, I am telling you, honestly, it frustrates me when I read this text because there are certain things that's conflicting in it. So these angels want to stay in the streets all night. And he pressed them. He pressed upon them greatly that they, that they turned in uh, unto him and entered into his house. And he made them a feast and bake unleavened bread. And they did eat. Now check it out. They were in good fellowship at that time. And he says, but before they laid down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round about, both old and young. And all the people from every quarter they called up on Lot and said unto him, 
Where are the men which came in unto thee this night? Bring them out. Right? Bring them out to us that we may know them. You got to understand here, and I'm going to break this and just open up in reality what is happening here. Lot, this man of God, this man that grew up in an uncertain place in Ur of the Chaldees, he was acquainted with all these paganistic worship. He was acquainted with that, and he was used to city life. He was used to all of these things, and he craved this kind of situation and all of that, but somehow he still had a moral compass. Still he prayed to God. Still he understood, and he discerned the, the spiritual things of God, and Lot was here engaging these, these angels, and he recognized there was something there. Maybe there was, a, there was a message that God had, and Lot was listening, but here we see here this, 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 this situation unfolding. The men of the city from every quarters, they knew that someone came to town. They knew that these strangers came to town. These angels in human form, they were walking around in Sodom and Gomorrah. And they wanted to get acquainted with these men. Now, Sodom and Gomorrah is a place that is well known for certain things, illicit practices, sexual practices, men with men doing what is unseemingly before God. And this place was a place, was, it was a, a cesspool of, of sin. Uh, it was a place where they practiced wicked arts in all different forms, and they had no moral compass. Anything goes in Sodom and Gomorrah. It got to a point that God said, listen, I, 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 I'm, I'm going to be focusing on this city because if this city continues in this manner, I'm going to have to step in. And whenever God steps in, watch out. And so we see this, this family within the city and uh, Lot in a compromising position now and he is trying to do his best. If he could not even help these strangers in the way that he wanted to do, can you imagine his family? Can you imagine his wife? Can you, his, can you imagine his two daughters? It's very interesting as we see this. And so these men, they wanted to get to know these, these, these angels and get to know them in very sinful ways, if you understand what I'm talking about. And Lot went out at the door unto them and shut the door behind and prayed and said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. Behold, now I have two daughters, which have not known man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you, and do ye to them as is good in your eyes. 
only unto these men do nothing. For therefore, they, for therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. And said, they said unto him, stand back. They didn't want to listen. Stand back. And this is a very interesting story. They stand back and they said again, this fellow, and they were talking of Lot, this fellow came in to sojourn and he will needs to be, he needs to be a judge. In a sense, this sojourner comes in and he wants to be a judge to us now. Is this guy crazy? We are going to, you're going to see what we are going to do to you when we finish with these men. What we do to these men, we're going to even do worse to you. And they were threatening. Now, as you look at the story and as the story unfolds, it got to a point where these angels, they had to pull Lot in. They pulled them in and locked the door. And these men, now they were approaching the doorway and they were beating down the door, beating down the door, trying to break in to get these men out. And these angels, they just, I mean, caused some, I don't know what it was, but they caused blindness to come upon these men. And even in their blindness, they're clamoring to get to the door in their blindness. When sin gets a hold of you, it doesn't matter. You could be sick and afflicted. You are still wallowing in it. You are following. You, it, it, it is like a slave. And so here these men, they are clamoring at the door trying to get to these men. And as it went on, they perhaps gived up, gave up and what have you. And these angel, they said, listen, we came on a mission. This city is going to be destroyed. It's going to be destroyed. And told Lot, listen, if you have any other children in the midst, go forth, get them, your son-in-laws, your daughters, and get out of the city because the city is going to be destroyed tomorrow. The interesting thing is, as I was looking back into history, um, I thought that Lot just had two daughters, but it seemed that he some, had some other daughters that were married, and they didn't come out. They stayed in the city. It said when the sun rose in the morning that Lot and his family, they were trying to get things together, and all of the angels had to pull them out. They had to pull them out, pull them out of the city. And Lot, he so loved city life, he said, please, please, you know, we cannot go to the mountain. I'm an old man and all of that. Send me to Zor. And so it was a smaller city. And so the Lord says, okay. So he went to that smaller city. But check this out. When Lot's wife looked back and she was immortalized in a pillar of salt. Lot got the message how hard this was and he had to flee to the mountains. Sometimes when we are so wrapped up in sin, it just gets us crazy. We lose our mind. We have some, I mean, brain damage to the point that Lot did not want to leave. It's important for us to understand 
as we look at this story, there are certain points that we need to take out of this. As we look at Lot's experience and as we reflect on our experience, God, he has something for us to learn out of this. Number one, Mr. Lot, he compromised too much. Do you find yourself in a compromising role? When we compromise, we minimize the power of God. As a people, we should be a people when the Lord calls, we should move. We should move. We should say, Lord, where do you want me to go? And Lot was this man that was compromising to the point that he lost his wife, he lost a couple of children, and he just escaped barely with his life. Sin, as my grandmother would say, sin is sweet. We really love it, right? Have you ever heard someone talking about their, you know, when I was in the world, you know, I used to hang out at the nightclubs and, you know, I used to be this. I used to be this kind of singer and all of that. I used to, you know, I was the king of Vegas. I used to, you know, and they're wallowing in this, you know. I used to have the ladies, man, and, and there are, it is as if a glow comes up on them. And I mean, sin is sweet, but it will destroy you. It will destroy you. It is sweet. You know, it is like a relative of mine when they found the truth, stumbled on the truth. There's one thing that they couldn't give up. It was pork. Said, I don't know. I'm not giving up that pork. It is too sweet. Sweet. And some of us will just be caught up in the feeling, in the hype, and will lead to destruction. And God is simply saying, come out. Come out of it. As a young man, I realized from an early age the power of darkness as opposed to the power of light. I realized that God he was in the trenches fighting, or is in the trenches fighting for us. I realized that very early. I remember when I was converted and I formally accepted Christ. I was 17 years old and it was a struggle because I had it made. I had a future. I wanted to, you know, I wanted to advance my career in track and field. And I thought it was all right, you know, I was a guy like Lot. You know, I, I like the city life. I like the, 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 all the glitter and the gold and all the everything. I, I wanted all of that. And as I was focusing on my career goals and advancing in track and field, my aim was to get in the 88 Olympics. And... I was always told that I was fast, and the Lord blessed me with a little speed. You know, I was able to 
become number one in the city where I was running, in, in Laval, Quebec. And my aim was to train hard and to get into the Olympics because there is money, there were a lot of women involved, there are a lot of stuff. And I was just looking at the lights. But then a crusade rolled into town, T.A. McNeely. And when he came to town, he was the radio pastor, T.A. McNeely, preaching up a storm back in the 80s. And I attended the crusade, enjoyed it. But I knew in my heart that I wasn't going to accept because I had my goals. I had my goals. You see, I, I wanted to enjoy my, the rest of my teens into my 20s. I want to enjoy life. I wanted to live it up. I wanted to get into fast cars. I wanted to go to clubs. I wanted to experience all these wonderful things. That's what I wanted. I wanted all the bling and everything that came with it. And track was going to lead me. And I had the times, and I knew I was confident that I could make it. But sometime, God just comes along, and he trips you. <laughs> Thank God for that. And he tripped me up. I mean, I went to the provincials, and I was ready for my race. You know, I was running uh, fast, uh, my, my fast races at that time. I was peaking at uh, 10.46 at that time, and I know I was the favorite to win, to make it to the next level, two more levels to make it to the Olympics, two more, that's all I wanted, to qualify, that's all. And they gave us the French uh, schedules. And if you know in Quebec, everything has to be translated. And so the French would do their schedules, but then they would translate it into English. And they gave us all these times for the races, the 100 meters, the 200 meters, and all of these things. And so I was ready for my time. But by the time I looked, my race was right now in progress. And I was wondering, how is this, the 100 meters? This is impossible, the 100 meter finals. And when we checked it out, the French officials apparently had given us all the wrong times. I was so disappointed. I was angry. This was my chance to make it. This was the chance. And the only chance that I had to make it in another qualifying was to run in the professional leagues. I was in another club called ACA. And I, was, I had to wait for a whole six months to get into that and perhaps qualify at a professional league and enter in at a, at a latter time. And during that time, this crusade came to town. And I heard the word of God preach every single night. And that man was preaching his heart out every single night. And I was one of these shadow creatures lurking in the back, hearing the word. But I made up my mind that I was not going to accept. 
I wasn't ready. My age was 45. 45, when I'm 45, that's when I'll accept Christ. After I enjoy my life, after I enjoy Sodom, after I, all of these things, I mean, then I'll give my life to Christ. 45, that's what I was hoping for. I want to enjoy life. And just before, in case anything, I'm going to slow down and enter into the church and sing the songs with the saints. 45, that was my, no lie, 45. But it got down to the point where I was hearing the word of God preached and he came down to the last night, the last night, and I felt good that I was able to withstand the assaults of the Holy Spirit <laughs> because the word was preached strong, the conviction was there, and I weathered all the appeals. But that last appeal, he said, there is a young man in the middle aisle. There is a young man that is waiting in the middle aisle there, and he needs to come to Christ. There is a young man over there. And I looked around. I wasn't that young man. All I know, I closed my eyes, and I was waiting for his prayer. And few, he started to pray. But while he was praying, the prayer was an appeal. And all of a sudden, I could just tell you, I just felt something pulling me, pulling me. And I mean, everyone was standing up, but somehow I was just navigating through. And I was just trying to close my eyes, but I found my legs just moving out, moving out, moving out, pulling me, pulling me, pulling me, pulling me. And then afterwards, the pulling stopped. And the pushing, I just felt myself being pushed down the front and I could not stop. I couldn't move any other way, but I was being led right down to the front. And that day, that very day, I was baptized. That very day, I left that Westmount Church and I was baptized and I I was asking myself, what happened? I was saying, this is, I, I don't understand it, but all I know is that the grass was greener than ever before. I mean, the trees, the sky, everything was brand, I felt like a baby, a newborn baby seeing the world for the first time. I was just looking at it. And I'm telling you, that was an amazing experience. The Holy Spirit was preparing me for baptism without even knowing it. I came even with a change of clothes. The only thing I was missing was the towel. And I didn't, I was dressed up, tell you the truth, I was dressed up for track and field underneath. And I got, I got baptized in my track stuff underneath. The next Sabbath, I could not even go run. They were going on to a track meet. I couldn't run. They were going to Vermont, and I couldn't go because the Sabbath, and that was the struggle, and my father was angry because he had his hopes and his dreams that, hey, this son was going to make it to the Olympics. Who knows? I may have ran against your Carl Lewis. <laughs> I don't know. 
But the Lord had a different plan. Lot was a man like that. And I relate to Lot. Because Lot was a man that he compromised. And I was in a compromising, and I went through all of, I knew all the truths. But it got to a point where I had to give up. But it didn't end there. Shortly after my baptism, some strange things started happening. We talked about spiritual wickedness in high places. I started being attacked by the enemy. And the attack came in various forms. I told some of you in Wednesday night prayer meeting, I mean, I, the enemy, literal Satan came and attacked me. My arms, my feet, I'm trying to call out and nothing is happening and I'm wondering, what is this? And I know it is real and I'm fighting with a force that I'm telling you, it is, it is stronger than anything. And I'm struggling, I'm struggling, I'm struggling, I'm struggling. And I'm trying to formulate this, the, the word. And immediately when I was able to formulate this, this, this word, and I say a magical word, because what happened afterwards was amazing when I said Jesus. Immediately when I said Jesus, it is as if this thing that was holding me just lift off and took off like a rushing mighty wind. Jesus. And this happened to me at least twice. The other time I was, I was trying to formulate and say, God. And as soon as I said, God, bam. I'm telling you after these experiences, I felt like a champion. I felt like nothing could touch me. I felt that I could walk in the darkest jungles of Africa or Jamaica or wherever it is and nothing could touch me because my God is greater. My God is more powerful. My God is more wonderful and we got to understand I take literally when we call on the name of Jesus, I take literal. I take that literal, that the name of Jesus, there is power in that name. There is, when we call in the name of Jesus, there is healing in that name. I have seen some amazing things since then over my lifespan that I'm seeing that God can do amazing things. If God could be so merciful to this man, Lot, after he has rebelled against God and moved in and compromised and moved into sin and wallowed in it and whatever it is, and God was so merciful to get him out of that, what could he do for you? What could he do for you? God is an amazing God. And so I don't take God lightly. God, he is Last time, this is not scripted, but this lady, once she called us to come and pray for her. And this lady was not a Seventh-day Adventist. She was a Ghanaian. This lady was suffering from leukemia. And you know what leukemia is, right? Cancer in the blood. And we were called to 
the Montreal General Hospital. And there was this man, he, was, he was, uh, lived in New York, this Adventist from New York, and among the Ghanaians, this man was like a prayer champion. If you're sick, if you're afflicted, they call him right across North America to come and pray. This man had a connection with God. And so they called this man to come and pray for this Presbyterian lady. And so the man came to the city of Montreal and we had an appointment to meet at the hospital. I've never met him, but I was the pastor of the Ghanaian church and I was asked to join with him to pray for this lady. They made a special request for the Adventists to come and pray. And I waited. An hour went by, and I'm waiting outside of this woman's hospital room. I waited, and the man did not show up. And I'm saying, okay, well, you know, this is a different culture, the Ghanaians, you know, and... So I said, let me give it a half an hour more. No call, no man, and I was alone. So I said, I better walk into that room. And walked into the room, and the lady, she had a condition where the leukemia apparently had affected her eyes, and she could not see. And so I said, you know, I'm going to offer a simple prayer and then leave and explain the situation that we could not connect with this elder and uh, he must have been caught up somewhere. So I went in and I spoke to her and I said, sister, what is your prayer request? And she said, my request is that I see. That's all I want. I want to see. That's all I want. Just to see. So I said to her, I will pray for you under one condition. Under the condition that you say a prayer of thanks after. feel anything with my prayer I prayed and I called on the name of Jesus and I prayed and I said amen but when this woman who is not an Adventist Christian who is when she started to pray I shook the room shook this lady prayed from her innermost being and she cried out to God. And she cried out to her God and cried out and Lord, I thank you for healing me. I thank you for giving me my eyesight. I thank you, Father, I thank you. And she praised the Lord and called on the name of God. And I'm telling you, I was so shocked. I couldn't believe it. I believe after hearing her prayer, when 
I opened my eyes, she was going to be looking at me. That's how I felt. Because I'm saying that prayer, I know, I don't know if my prayers was heard. I believe it was. But that prayer, I know clearly it hit the throne of God and rattled it, you know. And something is coming down. A blessing has to be coming down. That lady will see. And I opened my eyes. And her eyes were the same. Nothing changed. did you hear what happened? And I said, no. And whenever a member calls and say, did you hear what happened? I'm, I'm looking for a seat <laughs> because I'm expecting some bad news. Generally, that's what happens. And they said, sister, sister, I believe her, Georgina. She could see again. And he said, not only that, she said, he said, her leukemia is gone. And I'm saying, how is that? Eight days? What, what do you, you know? And I, I was baffled by that. And this thing went across the Ghanaian community. I tell you, my faith as a young pastor went from here way up. I'm telling you, I don't understand it, but it... And it was in 2000, where 2013, 2010. That happened way back in 2003, 2004, around that time, right, Henry? Around that, when we were at the Ghanaian church, around 2004. 2010, this lady was alive, kicking, and well as ever. Now, I'm just telling you. We serve mighty God and I believe God has a calling in every single person's life every one of us God has a calling for you God does not need Joseph he does not every single one of us wherever you have been you may have been a prostitute. There's a calling on your life. Remember Rahab. You may be a drunkard. Even if you have had great things happen in your life and you are like a drunkard like Noah, God has a calling in your life. It don't matter whatever, wherever you have been, God's calling is up on you. And you have the rest of your life to accomplish his purpose and his will. And so tonight, tonight, the appeal is for you to respond to your call. You may not know what you are called into, 
but you want to say, Lord, like the prophet in Isaiah chapter 6, here I am, send me. That's all you have to say. And you have to be willing to go, and God will clarify it. He will make it clear. God does not bless anything standing still unless he tells it to stand still. And if God tells you to go, don't be stubborn. Just continue to go and say, God, where to? Where do I turn? We have to have this radical faith in this time right now. There are many things this week that we're going to be unpacking and showing and so forth, but my aim for this week, we need to have true reformation within us, within our church, because I know God is preparing us. want God I want to stand and I'm saying I want you to show me my purpose today God is calling us it's very important for us to understand if God could use a little eight year old child Josiah to rule a whole kingdom a whole kingdom why can't he use 50-year-old you? Why not? If God can use these, that little girl, that little servant girl in Naaman's story to, I mean, to bless an entire nation because of the healing of that great general, what can God do in your life? Doesn't matter how old you are or how young you may think you are, think great, think big. God wants to accomplish things in your life. It doesn't matter if you're sick, your body, your body is riddled with sickness. God can take that sickness and bid it goodbye. Remember Hezekiah. God did it in the past and whatever he has done in the past, it is for us to claim in the name of Jesus Christ and forward amen as we stand today there may be somebody at this time and I'm going to make two appeals and I want it to be very straight there may be someone tonight that said listen I want to respond to this call and I want to give my life completely to you Lord my life may have not gone the way it should have gone in the past, but tonight, on this Saturday night, I'm surrendering all. I'm simply asking you to come forward and join me. I'm simply asking you to come forward. You want to respond to this call and say, God, please take my life. Let it be consecrated fully and solely to you I'm yielding everything God I don't care about what's going to happen tomorrow all I care is today I'm surrendering my life 
I'm surrendering my all. God wants to reform us and he wants to start on the inside out let's not be pushing these false reforms that we are hearing about music reform and dress reform and all of these things all of those things is based on your relationship with Christ but Christ wants to change us not from the outside. He doesn't care what's on the outside. It's what's on the inside. That relationship with God. From the inside out. God is calling you. Today. We are preparing for a baptism. And next Sabbath. It is will be a great joy to have an anointing, a, a baptism of anointing where we are laying hands on individuals and praying for the Holy Ghost to be upon their lives as they are baptized into Christ and his goodness and his work into the gospel. And tonight, and in previous nights, you have heard the call. And tonight you want to say that, listen, I want to be in that baptism and no devil or nothing is going to keep me out. Whether you want to be baptized for the first time or re-baptized, I'm asking to lift your hands. We want to include you in this prayer. Lift your hands high. We want to pray for you. Father in heaven, we stand today because we are not able. We stand recognizing that you are able. We recognize that you are the only power in this world. You are the only one that can help us through this mess, Lord. We have messed up our lives. We have caused confusion in our lives, Lord. And we have even turned our backs on you, Father. But tonight, we're saying no more to the world, no more to the devil. We are surrendering all before you. We pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit will take us now and lead us and guide us, Father, and that nothing of Satan will come against us. Lord, thank you. We praise you, Father, for you are worthy. You are worthy to be praised. I pray, Father, that you seal the commitments. Those individuals that have lifted their hands up, Lord, I pray that you will bless and that you'll anoint them, that you'll seal their decision. We know that the devil will be angry, but you are more powerful. And Lord, we thank you. We thank you so much, Lord. Bless your people once again, Lord. With that rushing mighty wind, blow upon us, Lord, and fill us with your Holy Spirit. We pray in the worthy name of Jesus Christ. Amen, 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 amen. I'm asking for those of you that lifted up your hands. We want to have a special prayer with you in the overflow room. 
Let's join us. Just join us over here, please. Sister McDavid, join us, please. asking you please to make this week a time of prayer a time of soul searching this is the final week and I believe that the devil is angry but we don't care all we want to do is God's will and we're going to be covering some things that um I think that will be beneficial to us in our Christian journey. And I'm just pleased asking us to keep everything in prayer. We want this week the name of Jesus Christ to be exalted. I'm asking you, please invite your friends out. 